Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. With us today is Naomi Buckwalter, Director of Information Security and IT at Beam Technologies, and we're here to talk about ugly exits. Naomi, thanks so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thanks, Alan. Hey, y'all. How's everyone doing? First, a brief word from our sponsor. The complexity of cloud infrastructure means every organization's security challenges are unique. Whether your challenge is threat hunting, policy management, endpoint security, cloud protection, or all of the above, Uptix helps you quickly identify and eliminate observability gaps in your security program. That's Uptix. Analytics for the modern attack surface, observability for the modern defender. Check out Uptix by visiting Uptix.com. That's Uptix.com. Thank you, Uptix, for sponsoring this episode. All right. So tell us a bit about how you got into cyber and a little bit about your day job. Yeah, I think uh, like everyone else, I started in a different role adjacent to cybersecurity. In this case, I was an application developer on a a wonderful technology called Lotus Notes, Alan. Yes, I used to do Lotus Notes. I think I did that for a few years before I jumped into Java mid-tier and did a little bit of Java MVC. So from there, I moved into application security. From there, I did all the other kind of things, security engineering, security architecture. I did a little bit of incident response, landed in a security leadership role, which we will be talking about soon. And now I am my third leadership role at a company called Beam Technologies, where our mission is to do smarter dental care. Right on. So we're going to clarify terms a little bit here before we get into the uh, conversation here. So what I define an ugly exit to be, and Naomi and I did a few polls here on LinkedIn to sort of capture all this, but basically it means that you've been fired, you've been laid off, you've been made redundant, as they say across the pond, uh, or you've burned a bridge on an exit, or maybe you've been uh, encouraged to leave where uh, you left quote unquote voluntarily, but they really put you in a situation where you had to. All of these are what we're calling ugly exits. And the LinkedIn polls that we put out, this is some really interesting stuff. With 327 respondents, 54% say they have been laid off at some point in their career. So a majority of us have been laid off. 761 respondents, 32% have been fired at some point in their career. Fired, not laid off, outright fired. So a substantial minority of us have been outright fired. 679 respondents, 38% have burned a bridge on exit. Uh, that's most of us laid off, a surprisingly large minority on us being fired or burning bridges. So I guess I'll start with this. What are some of the reasons for a burned bridge, Naomi, that you saw? I know a few folks on LinkedIn chimed in, but what did you see that captured your attention and, and made you think like, oh, okay, burning bridges, it makes sense in some cases. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people just say, I'm done with this job. I quit. I hate being treated this way. I'm out. So they burn the bridge. They never look back. I think I heard some some stories, something like, you know, I got a job offer. And then when I went to go and resign, they just showed me the door. That was an ugly exit. You know, I hear that all the time. I've seen that in other places. And I couldn't really believe, Alan, when I saw my own poll. I think I had over a, a little over 2,000 respondents, 53% of us 
had ugly exits. And I was a little bit surprised. I honestly thought it'd be a lot lower. I don't know about you. Were you surprised with your polling results? Because 53% to me is very high. Yeah, all of these were higher than I thought they would be, quite honestly. I kind of thought that that those of us that have been fired or burned a bridge or been laid off or whatever, I, I thought it was going to be a minority case across the board, maybe in the 20 percentiles, you know, like 20 to 30, somewhere in there. And I was shocked to see how much was really on the table. And you know, one of the other ones that stood out for me with the burn bridges was a number of people talked about um, basically walking away from companies that were behaving in an unethical manner, that a lot of people were very proud and grateful to have burned said bridge. I mean, there were some folks that chimed in that were like, oh, yeah, I burned a bridge, you know, would do it again, too, for the same reason. And a lot of folks were walking away from what they saw as unethical situations uh, where they were employed. And I thought that was frightening, too, that that was a common thread. You know, uh, I mean, how many how many unethical employers can there be out there? Like that's that's probably another poll we should do. But it was it was a larger number than I would have thought based on the comments. Yeah, that's worrying. Uh, I I did do something similar. I will say though, I think the question was, how many times have you been asked to do something unethical? And the the choices were like zero times, one time more than two times or whatever. And I think a large majority of people had also answered yes. And even I myself have been asked to do unethical things from the senior leadership, not at my current company, I will say that. But in my previous roles, I have been asked to do things that were unethical that I refused to do. So uh, I am not surprised, at least at a personal level, but I was surprised at the number of ugly exits. I would say 53%. And I'm now I'm looking, I had 130 comments that explained their ugly exits and then almost 3,000 votes for the poll itself. But over the course of six days, getting getting those 3,000 votes, very grateful for that engagement. 53% of us said, yes, we have had an ugly exit. That includes myself. We're talking about burning bridges. I'm going to go ahead and share my my burnt bridge story. And, and then we can we can get into your stories and we'll just kind of go back and forth because we've got three categories to talk about here. Burnt bridges, uh, you know, fired and laid off. So fired, I don't think has ever happened to me. I can't recall. I probably, I'm sure, got fired at some point when I was much younger. You know, we're working all the, all the pre-career jobs. I'm sure I got fired somewhere in there. I can't recall it specifically, but I'm sure it happened. I would have fired me back then. But Burning Bridges now, there's one I've done, and it's, it's a jacked up story. I was at a company that was rather notorious for having a very, you're with us or you're against us sort of culture. Common comments in the leadership ranks of, you know, if you're not with us, get lost, you know, fire them. I got no problems firing them tomorrow. You know, lots of comments like that about anybody that might be sort of disagreeing with the status quo being established up top. And I was struggling in that role, uh, had a very toxic leader, a lot of difficulty with, you know, I mean, all the standard leadership stuff going wrong, you know, giving the blame, taking the credit, lots and lots and lots of people exiting the team. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous, the percentage of folks that bailed on that team. Even with all of that, I was dead set on sticking around. Um, I, I felt like despite all that, the boss had a lot to offer in terms of things I could learn from them about communicating upstairs and presentation skills. There were a lot of pluses there. And I frankly didn't want a short stint. I was all about sticking around. And what happened was I started getting wooed. And I don't know what happened, but like simultaneously, three or four different outfits approached me at once. And you know, hey, why don't you come talk to this about this? Or, hey, you know, I'm a fan of yours on LinkedIn and I want you to go talk to so-and-so down the hall about this new role and blah, blah, blah. And so people were reaching out and asking me to chat. And I, I told myself, eh, it can't hurt to chat, right? I'll chat anyway. And so I'm talking to folks, not really serious about jumping ship at all, but somehow word got out through some grapevine or another that I had talked to somebody. And so now in this culture of the second they think you're not with them, they're, they're willing to fire you. Word gets out that I'm looking. And my response was, I'm, I'm not looking. And I wasn't. 
But this one company, after a couple of conversations, came out with an offer that I just simply could not refuse. I came and announced, I got this killer offer and I'm going to leave and I'm giving you guys three weeks notice. To your point, got walked on the spot. My name is Mud with a certain group of people in this industry. There are folks that will forever think I was a bald-faced liar and just was not ethical in the way I managed and dealt with it. And I felt like I was cornered. I felt like I had no choice. You know, once word got out, things were already sideways and weird anyway. And and I wasn't looking, but they were pursuing me and I did talk to them. And, you know, so it was a mess. It was a complete mess for me. I've got a group of people in this industry that will forever think I'm, I'm unethical and there's nothing I can do about that. The company culture was very toxic, I thought. I think the second the word got out, they were probably planning on firing me anyway. So I did what I could, and I ended up accepting a, a crazily good offer, and out the door I went. So that's that's my burn bridge story. I wasn't trying to burn a bridge. I didn't intend to burn a bridge. Uh, that bridge is burnt. <laughs> so there's mine. And you almost want to think, like, it's not anyone's fault, right? Like the company wanted to do what's best for them. You wanted to do what's best for you. But the mismatch, what happened with the actual burning of the bridge is when the two of you couldn't compromise and just speak like adults. I think at one point, I'm sure I wasn't there, but I'm sure you're just like, why can't we just act like adults, right? And and treat each other with respect. And I almost feel like that happens too often. I can tell you my story. I, I think it, I was treated with respect. So there was at no point did I feel like uh, I was victimized or at anything or any unethical things that happened there. But in my case, I was a security leader. It was my first leadership role. And I honestly wasn't too sure what I was doing. I had done a presentation about this recently with Wild West Hackenfest. And I basically told the story. I'm like, you know, it was my first leadership role. I was creating a security program from scratch. I really didn't have a lot of guidance and understand what it meant to be a security leader. So I tried to do everything on my own. Not only did I not have a team behind me, I was trying to do everything myself. I was trying to walk in as the first security hire. So I was trying to build security from scratch at a company like a startup. It was a very nice startup, had a lot of great support, but I wasn't able to provide any value back to the company. So uh, I wasn't a good fit. Eventually I was said, hey, we're going to let you go. Thank you for your time here. I ended up staying for about a year and a half, but I, t- I took away from that experience first a lot of pain thinking like, oh, I failed at something. I'm a miserable person. I can't do this. And then really growing from that, I actually took a lot of opportunity to self-reflect, to improve in my craft, to learn from my mistakes and grow. And I have always thought about this, but at the time, I thought it was the worst thing ever. But now that I look back, I realize how wonderful an opportunity and what an amazing experience that was just to force me into a position to really grow and to improve. And so without that experience, I will say unequivocally, I would not be where I am now. Like I have completely turned a 180. I am way, way, way better That's <laughs> thanks awesome. to that experience. Yeah. So it was a good thing. And I'm sure it's the same for you, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting. You reach a certain point in your career where if you have not, what's the expression? If you've not had your ears boxed, you're probably not really fully matured and where you need to be in your career, right? I mean, I, you meet some people that are much younger in the industry that are getting started who've got a certain cockiness to them. And I think the first time you get smacked down hard, you lose a lot of that cockiness, right? It tempers who you are and what you are and how you approach things. I was very humbled after that exit. Even though it ended up being my choice, I still walked away feeling like, man, even at my stage in my career, I can completely screw up here. Like this this went south. I, I didn't control it. I didn't handle it well. Like the whole thing went south. And 
yeah, I walked away very humbled by it. It was a life lesson for me. I mean, I've, I've said it before, never again, right? I mean, never again will a bridge be burned like that. Um, not, not if I can do absolutely anything to help it. And, and, and in retrospect to your point, I could have probably engaged in a different way. I could have probably uh, stepped up and been the bigger adult and tried to navigate some of that toxicity I was facing. There's a million things I probably could have done and I could have taken ownership for. And in retrospect, you know, glad I had the experience all in all. It was, it was negative, but I earned it. You know what I'm saying? And it's, uh, it's stripes that I've earned. I love how you put that. And, and it is all about growth and resiliency and grit. And that's such a huge part of the human experience that sometimes we don't appreciate having the bad things happen to us so we can appreciate the growth and the improvements that we've made across our lives. And think about any meaningful growth that you've ever done. And it's not just in your career, but did you survive bullying? Did you survive physical abuse as a child? Like think about all the things that you grew up with that made you a stronger person. I've talked to a lot of people who have been homeless or have just overcome the most incredible odds in their life. And you wonder how did they ever survive that? And you think about how resilient they are now and how much they're able to share their pain and help others. I think that's a wonderful thing. I know it's a terrible thing at the time, but out of that pain, you get a lot of growth and opportunity to improve humanity in general. So I think it's a beautiful experience. I love humanity. I think it's just like the most cool thing ever. I think it's what we signed up for when we were like floating around in heaven. We're like, hey, let's come down. Let's have an experience. Right. I think this is what we signed up for. I think it's awesome. I like that. And your your metaphor that you used or, or you know, your story that you told about, you know, self-reflecting after it was over and, and internalizing that and growing from that experience. The first thing that occurred to me was a bad romantic breakup. You know, like I was like, you know, it's that same kind of thing, right? You have a really bad breakup. You don't just immediately go looking for another relationship unless unless you just want to be repeating patterns here, you know, you have a really bad breakup. You stop and, and self-reflect and you figure out, you know, e even if I had a million complaints with the other person, some portion of this was me for sure. Self-reflect, learn from it, grow from it, figure out what part was you, figure out how, you know, do I like that part of me? Do I want to keep that part of me? Do I want to address this? Do I want to, you know, and, and walk through that whole moment of self-reflection before you just go dating someone again, right? So I think it's, I think it's that same kind of metaphor. I think we as humans are going through this experience on a regular basis, even outside of our careers. Yeah, every day. But we never, sometimes we don't stop and reflect and think, am I the problem? And right. I think in general, cybersecurity has this problem in general. Like our community thinks that we're not the bad guys here. I think we're, we always just say, oh, it's the user's fault or it's the executive's fault. We don't get a seat at the table or it's this and this and this and this. And we make all litany of excuses without ever reflecting upon our own selves and just say, what are we doing to contribute to the failure of us winning the fight against cybercrime? Because I don't think we do that enough. We don't reflect. We don't talk about it. We think we're the heroes of our own stories. And I think that's hurting us. So. Yeah, that's a very good, very real point. There's a running joke of some dark little cartoon I saw that basically said, the only common thread in every event that's ever been unhappy for you is you. <laughs> you <Wow. know>? like, <laughs> and that was a cartoon. <laughs> yes. I was like, wow, that's dark. That's but you deep. Know what? That's there's, very deep. Yeah. There's, there's a certain something to that as dark as that it's is. So and I, I think it's yeah. a valid point. You know, it's kind of like blaming the company for failing to get cybersecurity when you're the one who failed to sell it in the first place. There, there's definitely some ownership we can always take in every exit, right? I mean, that whole situation I found myself in, I could have managed it so much better. Uh, there's a million and one things I could have done to get through that in, in, a, in a better way that was equitable to all parties and, and didn't leave a burnt bridge. I'm sure I could have exited without burning a bridge, but I didn't. So there's some ownership I have to take there for sure. 
Yeah, but the fact that you're even talking about it, that you recognize that there is room for growth here. I have, I'll tell you another story. Back when I first started in cybersecurity, I think it was like in around 2009, 2010, I had a new coworker had just joined the team. She had come from a PM role, a project management role. She didn't have the technical background that I thought at the time people in cybersecurity required. So I, I looked down on her. Her name is Susan. I absolutely looked down on her experience and I said, oh, there's no way that you can even get this. This is way above your head. There's no way you can get this. And so I, I kind of just ignored her. I didn't help her. I didn't onboard her. I wasn't like the partner she needed, even though I was technically her like onboarding partner, right? They sat her next to me and everything. I was supposed to help her. But I was frustrated with her level of just ability to pick things up. And I was just like, oh, why can't you get this? Why can't you get this? You know, and I never actually stopped to teach and to help her. And she eventually stayed on the team. I actually ended up leaving, went to a different team, but she stayed. I'm pretty sure she's still doing security. But at the time, I was completely mean to her. And I was just very, very mean. Now that I think about that, and this comes to my point, now that I remember treating her that way, I want to reflect upon that and say, how could I have ever done that? It is so cringy. And now can I take that and learn from it? Can I take what I used to be and try to be a better person? And the only answer that I, I want is yes, I want to be able to learn from those past experiences. So processing the experience itself is step one to even recognize that I did something badly, that I wasn't the hero in the story. I was definitely the antagonist and the villain that I need to recognize that I did that to somebody and I need to improve upon that. Now, I I wish I could always reach out to Susan and apologize, but unfortunately, I don't remember her last name. It was either a W or a J, and I swear I looked her up, but I couldn't find her. So it's one of those things. It's like, I just hope she doesn't remember that. You know, I was just a very, very poor teammate to her. Not, not possible to make amends in that circumstance. I get it. I'm sure I'll run into her one day, but There yeah. you go. So, you know, that, that flips the coin over because as a leader, I have fired people. I have laid people off. I have been through both of those experiences from the leadership position, and it's never fun. And to your point, there's a certain amount of self-evaluation you absolutely have to do if you're going to be the one pulling that trigger, right? If, you, if you're going to be going as far as to actually fire someone or lay someone off, you, you better really be solid about what you're doing and why and, and have that same self-reflection we talked about after being the one who goes through it. You know, before you do it, have that same amount of self-reflection and self-awareness. Uh, to your point, your story with Susan, it's interesting to me how many leaders will at some point or another sort of draw a line and say, well, I've tried X and I've tried Y. This person just doesn't get it and never will. And I, I always wonder at the point that line is drawn in the sand by a leader, okay, but did you really try A, B, C, D, F, Q, J, K, L, and, and R? Because declaring that somebody's done and, and that's it and they're not going to get it, that's a really, really harsh thing to do about another human being in any context to just simply say you are this thing and you will never be more than this thing and here you are in this box I've drawn for you and and you will forever be in that box and there's no point in my trying to fill in the blank that's a frightening place to be and as leaders we definitely cannot be in that trap right your your experience with her from a leadership role would have been unconscionable. You know what I'm saying? Like as a peer, it was bad enough, but to be in a leadership position and, and doing that same kind of behavior, like, and, and that's one that I wonder about. I've met leaders who've been in companies that, that had successive waves of not doing so well, who were literally jaded to letting people go. And I have sworn about that I will never be that person. Um, I will never get jaded to it. I, I have never let anyone go that it didn't just tear me up inside. Uh, and I want it to always be that way. I, I want to feel that pain that I know they're feeling. If I ever get callous to that, I think I probably don't even deserve to be a leader, you know? 
Yeah, that's really well said. We, there is a level of humanity involved in every situation, in every conversation, everything that we do. We want to remember that part of humanity because that could easily be us. The roles could have been switched. Do you want to be treated that way? Like, I really, really hope not. So it all just comes down to what's our mission as humans? Is it to do everything for our own benefit or is it to improve the lives around us? And I think if we improve the lives around us, it'll eventually come back to us. And karma is real. If you improve someone else's life, they will in turn improve your life. Uh, no matter if it's direct or indirect, we will get away for that karma to come back to you. So treat others the way you want to be treated. Love one another. Uh, the golden rule, it's all very, very valid. And it, it's something that if you think about it, if you believe in God, which I certainly do, and God is love. So if you believe in love and in consciousness, the idea of us being in a box and being unredeemable, like that feels very, very uh, just world ending. If if there is a God and he sends us to hell at the end of the day, right? Are we that irredeemable that we can't come back from that? I, I surely hope not. I really hope that there's more than just that one chance that we're given, that we're giving multiple chances. And I'm at this point in my life too, you know, this is getting a little bit uh, religious here, but I do believe that in reincarnation, I believe that we have more chances than we are given. And I also believe there is no hell. I believe earth is hell. It's very complicated. But in order to get back to heaven, to where the rest of consciousness is, the idea now is to improve the lives of each other here and to learn what love is so our souls can be reunited with the rest of love, which is where God is. Now, I'll agree that life for cybersecurity practitioners is hell. <laughs> Hey, there you go. Yeah, it all ties back to humanity and why we have the pain that we do and why do we inflict the pain that we do on others and why we think that this is okay. It's not okay. Right. Uh, we think about this in terms of just very pure, like stochastic things where like we are just one being at any one time and we can do this one thing and it won't affect anyone else, but it really does. It reverberates not only through the generations, but through our lives. And if you believe in reincarnation like I do, I believe you will be affected negatively in the next life. So be careful with what you do, right? I can get behind any religion where consequences matter, but that negativity, we can inflict that on ourselves just as much as we can on an employee. And that's a whole nother episode of the show to be recorded. You know, just like you can say this employee is stuck here, is only ever going to perceive this, is always going to be that, is too junior for this, is never going to get that. You can slap those same stickers on your own forehead looking in the mirror mm -hmm. and, and lock yourself mm -hmm. in a box really quick. I agree. That's, that's a trap that we're all into for sure that we have to be very cautious and very cognizant about. So I guess I don't have any outright fired stories. I do have a laid off story. Oh, okay. I can tell that story right. too. And this is, you are going to laugh at this. You talk about karma, right? My ugly exit that I just described, the same guys that gave me the offer I couldn't refuse laid me off. And you're going to love <gasps> the reason why. They got bought by private equity and they deemed me to be too expensive. Oh, that's irony. I had a, <laughs> I had a boss who, who loved me, didn't want to let me go, was definitely broken up when it was time. This was not performance related. This was a private equity decision. You know, anybody that's below this rank who's making more than X, get rid of them kind of a mm -hmm. thing. And I was disappeared. They went without a CISO for quite some time and then backfilled me with somebody uh, more affordable. So there's my karmic uh, retribution right there, right? My ugly exit going towards a big stack of money and then ultimately laid off because of said big stack of money. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. That is interesting. There's the loop wow. closing right there. And that's, it really that's is. my layoff <sighs> story. So there you have it. I've got, a, I've got a burnt bridge and a layoff. No, no firings that I can remember. 
I mean, to be fair, I wasn't I wasn't fired for cause. Like I was given severance, a very generous severance package, but the role wasn't a good fit. And I recognize that. I'm very grateful for that experience. I think it was one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I honestly do say that. And I'm happy to talk about it. Like it's not an embarrassing thing, especially now that we know 53% of us have been laid off, fired, or had an ugly exit. That to me makes it feel like we should normalize this. We need to talk about this more because it's not just a one thing, one time thing. Like God forbid this happens to me again because I hated that feeling. But if it does happen to me again, at least I know I'm not alone. There are other people who have had this experience. If we normalize this and we talk about it, we learn from it, then we will only ever get better. I think that's the the, the, the whole point of humanity and community is to like just grow and learn and, and help each other. We do have to normalize this stuff. And that's not the only stuff we have to normalize, right? It, it shouldn't take an anonymous poll before all of us start to admit to each other that, yeah, this bad thing has happened to me. There's other things too. What other things are taking place in our careers and in the workplace that we're all sitting on and squelching and aren't sharing unless an anonymous poll happens to come along? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where I got to with this was if this is a big yeah. surprise, if we've just unearthed what this else? one with a couple yeah. of casual questions, like what else is there to unearth? And I thought immediately of this this culture that all corporations have where you're not supposed to discuss your salary with anybody else, that that's a big negative for you and them. And the reality is that's a big negative for the corporation <laughs> more than it is for you and them. And yet this is a taboo and this is a stigma. And I myself don't run around sharing salary information. It's interesting to me because I'm wondering if that's not the same kind of thing. How many of you have uh, discovered you were underpaid versus your peers ever in your career? How many of you... Uh, discovered you were overpaid versus your peers in in your career. And and those kinds of questions, I wonder how much that would unearth if people actually were talking about it. So so normalizing these conversations could potentially lead to a lot more interesting data and a lot more interesting conversations. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You've touched on a great topic, salary. We do not share enough salary information. And I think that's because we try to value each other based off of the money we make and like the title we have and who we work for, wherever, whatever places that you have, whatever that you've been. I don't know. It's just the way that humanity is at this point in our evolution. It's like, how much money do you make? Oh, you're below me, right? And pretty much I think in every value system, there's always a hierarchy. And if you are uh, ranked at the top, then you're one of the better ones and you're worthy to be valued and worshipped. It comes back to our core needs as a human. I think there's five of them. But one of them is like the feeling of importance and to be needed, yeah. right? Like that, that's one very core need. And if you are valued and you feel important, then you actually end up being more motivated to do your job. Think of any job that you've ever had, you feel a little burned out. Why is that? Is it because you don't feel valued in your job and your employer doesn't value you? Probably, right? Most likely if you are looking and you're trying to find a new job, it's most likely because you don't feel valued at your current role, or at least you don't feel like your value proposition for the company is worth the money that you're getting paid. So there's there's ways of uh, noticing that within yourself and then seeing why you do certain things and how we treat each other based off of that. And if you think about all the time that you have put someone down or someone has put you down, it is because they have ranked you within their own mind or within your own minds, the value that you give to somebody else or to humanity. And we treat each other based off of that. It's no longer about how kind you are or how you can make someone smile or laugh or you can help somebody like when they're in a dark place, right? We just literally take a look at their resume. We say, what's your title? 
you know, it's the first thing that I ask somebody in a party, right? What do you do? So what do you do there, Alan? You know, and like, you know, you have to explain and you make yourself seem more valuable just on your title. So we take a look at titles. We take a look at how much money you make. And it's ridiculous. We do this over and over and over again. We value each other based off of these superficial things. And it's just mind boggling. Why not value each other based off of the compassion and the the love and the humanity that we can bring. And it really just comes down to our human nature. Like we we want to do this to ourselves. And it reflects in so many aspects of society. Cybercrime, right? Like just regular crime. We have so many problems in our society. I don't even want to get into that, but wow. Yeah. It really just ugh, so much. Yeah. No, the way we judge ourselves and judge each other. Uh, and it definitely ties back to the original topic at hand, right? The getting fired, getting laid off, burning the bridge, having the ugly as it walking away. Uh, sometimes these are for noble reasons per the example of, you know, the company was asking me to do something unethical and I walked. Other times there's those kinds of physics going on. You're, you're being judged, you know, and it's back to that same putting people in the box phenomenon of, oh, she's never going to get it. She's just a junior, blah, blah, blah. And some of that, some of that physic I think is tied into all these exits. So we're getting close to the end of the show. And I've got one question I ask every guest, Naomi, and that is, what keeps you going in cyber? What gets you out of bed in the morning, into your shoes, and ready to tackle another day in information security? Oh, man. Well, I love the idea of winning the war against cybercrime. Even though we are objectively losing, I still wake up every day full of energy and hope that we can actually win the day and we can win the greater war. So please get as many people as possible. We need more defenders. Bring all the talent that we can. Don't look just for years of experience and the CISP and the master's degrees. Bring them in as they are hungry and passionate. Train them and mentor them and give them opportunities to learn because we need the defenders to help fight that war. So join me and we'll do great things. Well, listen, this has been a great conversation. Wow, we covered a lot of topics. Naomi Buckwalter. Director of Information Security and IT at Beam Technologies. Thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. I'll be good. Now.